0: well, turn to mark 11. <coughs> Having said that <laughs> we may not get through all this today but that's okay we can take up next time. You've already talked about mentioned some of the things we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about... The significance of what you say. The significance of what you say. Mark eleven twenty two. And Jesus answering saith unto them, have faith in God. Now let's don't just assume that we've heard this before, okay? And and that and that uh, assume that because you have heard it before you know it. There's a tendency when you've heard something quite (coughs) frequently and heard a lot of it, is a tendency to think, uh, you know, to assume that you know it and to just kind of switch off. But it's not so much what you've heard, it's what you are doing. That's what's important. Uh, So as we go through the Word today, we want to ask ourselves, are we doing this? Not just do we know it, are we doing it? Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. And he doesn't just stop with saying have faith in God or have the God kind of faith. He continues by giving us uh, the application of how to have faith in God. How the God kind of faith works. Verse 23, For verily, I say unto you that whosoever shall say, everybody say, say, Say. unto this mountain be thou removed, be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith, everybody say, saith, shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Everybody say, say it. Say it. Amen. Amen. So, saying is required to having faith in God. Saying is required to having faith in God. The just shall live by faith. The just shall walk by faith. And we're the faith group. Amen. And we're not ashamed of it. And we're not apologizing for it. Those that haven't made that decision yet, they're missing out. And I'm not condemning them. I'm just saying they're missing out, you know, because the Bible says it is impossible to please God any other way. And this is the only way to victory uh, over the world. There is no other way to victory. And after Jesus said, have faith in God, the very next thing he says is, if you will say, how faith in God, if you will say, and not doubt in your heart, but believe what you say. Now, in Luke 17, 6, he says something very similar when he was talking about the sycamine tree. He said, if you had faith, you would say, if you had faith as a uh, grain of mustard seed, you would say to this sycamine tree, be plucked up and be cast into the sea. But I'm just cutting it short. He said, if you had faith, you would say. So he, he repeats the same principle again. There are a lot of people that, that make fun of us about this. They mock us. Uh, you know, they call, it, uh, call us name it, claim it. Confess it, possess it, you know, uh, they make fun of us about this. Uh, You know, we believe what we say is coming to pass. And of course Satan is going to work through other people because he's very concerned about stopping this. Because uh, once you get a revelation of this, his days of controlling your life is over with. So obviously he is concerned about trying to stop this any way he can. But, uh, you know, people make fun of us, confessing, possessing, but we're just acting on a Bible principle of faith. God set it up that way. We didn't set it up. God set it up this way. It is the law of faith. And you can either put it to work for you or put it to work, Against you, and everybody on this planet is possessing whatever they are confessing, they're having it, yeah. they just don't realize how the process that it happens, they don't realize the law, but they are having what they say, whether it's good or whether it's bad. And and people, for some reason, uh, despise. Uh, you know, the teaching of faith and, and you can have what you say and, you know, I'm going to claim this and I'm going to have it and, and people uh, despise that and make fun of us, uh, but in the Bible to despise something is to fail to appreciate something. Uh, it's, it's not just being disgusted with something, it's making light of it and lightly esteeming something. In uh, 1 Samuel 2.30, God said, For them that honor me, I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. The God's Word translation says, I promise that I will honor those who honor me, and those who despise me will be considered insignificant. The uh, New Century Version says, I will dishonor those who ignore me. I will will dishonor those who ignore me. So you can't despise the word of God, make light of it, and consider it to be insignificant without lightly esteeming God and, and, and making light of God. So people uh, despise this principle of confession because they consider their words to be insignificant. Even among Christians. When when, when you say uh, you know, I'm I'm confessing this and I'm gonna have it, it's gonna I'm gonna have it, it's gonna happen in my life, they just think you're being arrogant or or you just got a big ego. Uh, you know it it 's not arrogance it 's not ego it 's not being legalistic. this is a fixed spiritual law, and God set it up that way and If you say to them, "If I were you i wouldn 't say that. they just get aggravated at you don 't they and and uh, you know they 'll say oh you're you 're just trying to put me in bondage they 're already in bondage." They're already there, and they can't see it. So uh, they don't place any value on their words. And if you ask these same people, do you believe the Bible? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we believe the Bible. We go to church every Sunday, you know. Uh, And then the next minute, they'll rattle off something negative that they really don't want to happen in their lives, and it's holding them in bondage. We see this principle in Proverbs 6, 2. Thou art snared with the words of thy mouth. The problem here is not esteeming the significance of what you say. Uh, Is it true that you can say something, believe that what you say is coming to pass and it will happen in your life? Who, Who said that? Who said that? We just read here. Who said that if you say something and you believe in your heart, it's coming to pass and you don't doubt what you say, you'll have it. Who did we just read? Jesus? Yeah. Is he the head of the church? (coughs) Then I would take what he says pretty seriously. I would not take that lightly. Amen? We should be excited about it. And I'm not going to despise and lightly esteem what Jesus said. And these people scoffing and making fun need to watch out who and what they're making fun of. Now this scripture in Mark 11, 23 and 24, it it would qualify as a scripture that you could call a blank check. It's like God handing you a blank check and you say, you write... You write it out for whatever you want, and heaven's on heaven's bank account. That's what it is. It's a blank check from God. But before you say, uh, before you say, according to this verse, you have to know how not to doubt in your heart. Now, uh, the word doubt, d o u b t. Part of that word is double, isn't it? Doubt, double, wavering. It means to waver or to hesitate. And the combination of your heart and your mouth in agreement will bring it to pass every single time. (laughs) Every single time. This is why people who don't understand this principle can say something negative and it happens in their life. Do you know why they can say something negative and it happens in their life? Because they believe it. They believe it. That's why it happens. Hallelujah. They believe what they say will happen. And when it does happen, they say, see there, I told you. So, this can sometimes be the answer to the question, Why do bad things happen to good people? You don't need to write a book to get the answer to that. I believe this verse right here is pretty much sums up the answer to that question. Why do bad things happen to good people? You hear people say, I just don't understand. They're such good people, they go to church every Sunday. They're such good neighbors. I just don't understand how this could happen. The first place to start looking is right here. That's the first place to start looking. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. And this promise in Mark 11:23 is one of those two-edged swords. You can make it work for you, or it can work against you. So it's a two-edged sword, depending on what you say. Now here in verse 23, Jesus is talking about saying, not praying. In verse 24, he talks about praying. Because he says, what things, soever you desire, when you pray. So he's talking about praying in verse 24. In verse 23, he's talking about what you say. So when God tells us something in his word, it has to be true. No matter what your body or your circumstances are telling you. God calls things that are not seen as though they were already seen. So God's way is to believe first, and then you see it. The world says, I've got to see it first, and then I'll believe it. But God's way is to believe it first, and then you'll see it. Now, according to Mark 11.23, there are only two conditions to receiving whatever you say. Only two conditions to receiving whatever you say. The first one is to believe. Shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. <coughs> So you have to believe in your heart that what you say is coming to pass. The second condition to having whatever you say is speaking. These are the two conditions to having whatever you say. You have to say the thing you are believing in order for the thing you say to happen. Now, I know there are... You know, I'm not sending anybody in this room, but I know there are probably Christians who struggle with this, and they think, why can't I just believe something and it happened? Why do I have to say it? Why can't I just believe in my heart, uh, you know, and it happened? Well, God... When God created the universe, he didn't just believe for light. You know what I mean? He didn't just believe, I, I believe I'm going to get some light, or I believe we're going to have light someday. You know, He's, he not only believed, he spoke it. That's the way faith is released through your words. And God had to release his faith through his words. That's how all the first chapter of Genesis is all about what God said. God said, and he saw, this is a way, yeah, that's it. And, and, and he had to release his faith through his words. It wasn't just enough to believe it in his heart. You got to speak it out as well. That's the way faith is released. So when you break this down into bite sized pieces, it's really not very complicated, is it? God has dealt to every man the measure of faith, and it is a gift from God. Faith is your greatest spiritual asset. Mm -hmm. Write this down. Faith is not feelings. Faith is not feelings. Let's all say that together. Faith is not feelings. Amen. Faith is when you decide to take God and his word with no other evidence. Faith is when you decide to take God and his word with no other evidence. All we have to do to have faith is to, is to decide to take God's word for the matter in question. If God has said it, it has to be true. That's what Anne just said a few minutes ago. Amen. Hallelujah? Mm-hmm. Praise God. And we need a revelation of the role that words play in our life and in the plan of God. It is obvious that most Christians do not believe that you have what, they, what you say because of the way they talk. <coughs> if they really believe what they say uh, is coming to pass, or if they really believe that it has anything to do with their current... Uh, circumstances they wouldn't be saying what they're saying we are going upstream in a downstream world we are surrounded by people who are constantly using words of death and lack and sickness to express themselves and their feelings and they just think it's normal you know I'm just being real you know Words are not just for communication. And I think this is where we've kind of had a blind spot. We we think words are just to express and communicate our feelings to other people and what we think and our opinions. But words are really designed by God to create. Words are involved in creation. And God has given us His Word to create a life of blessing and health and success on this earth. Instead, most people are saying what they have. Most people are saying what they have. Charles Cap said, uh, the Lord spoke to him a number of years ago, and uh, he said, I have told my people, they can have what they say, okay. but they're saying what they have. Yeah. And apart from the Bible, that's one of the most profound statements I have ever heard. Say to me? I have told my people they can have what they say, but they're saying what they have. Yeah. I remember that. Mm. Yeah. Always stay on God's side. Don't undo your prayers with your mouth. So when you pray according to Mark 11:24 and you believe you receive, then everything you say about that from that point must be in agreement with what you prayed. Because you can, make, you can pray a wonderful prayer of faith and turn around the next day and start talking negative and, and contrary to what you prayed, and you've just undone a beautiful prayer. And you can mess up a, a, a good confession with an unbelieving prayer. So what you say after you pray must be in agreement with what you prayed. Now here in Mark 11:23, Jesus did not say, pray to God about the mountain. He wasn't, he wasn't talking about praying to God or to anybody. He didn't say, come talk to me about the problem. You know, pray and ask me to remove the mountain. Please move the mountain. Please cause the devil, you know, to leave me alone. No, he, he didn't talk about. He didn't say pray to him about it. He told us to stand up and speak to it. And this is not prayer. So, according to verse 23... Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe. What must you believe, according to verse 23? That what you say is coming to pass. He said that's what you believe. In this this specific verse, he, he said, you must believe that what you say is coming to pass. So, we not only have to have faith in God's word, we not only have to believe God's word, we have to believe our words. We have to believe what we say is coming to pass, and that's why we have to put a guard over our mouth And not just throw words around and these loose comments and things that we don't really believe. If we're going to be a person of faith, we can't just have a loose mouth and and talk a bunch of junk that we don't really believe. Because your spirit takes what you say as what you want. And if we're going to have words that are life-changing and powerful, then we're going to have to take them more seriously. We're going to have to take them more seriously. It damages your faith if you continually say things that you don't expect to come to pass. It damages your faith if you continually say things that you don't expect to come to pass. You can't just talk junk. And say, oh well, I didn't, you know, I didn't really mean that. I, you know, I, I, I didn't really mean that. And then the next day, say, now I'm going to say something in faith, and I, I'm believing, and this is going to come to pass. It won't come to pass. It won't come to pass because your spirit is so used to you speaking words that you don't believe that. Now your spirit's confused when when you try to say something in faith, your heart doesn't believe it. Your heart knows you don't believe it. Because you you just speak these, Jesus called them idle words. I think in Matthew 12, uh, non-productive words. Uh, Words that, you know, uh, are not productive. And, and if we just have a loose mouth and we constantly say things we don't believe, and you, then you try to turn around and say something you do believe, it's not going to happen because your heart doesn't believe it. Your heart is so programmed to not <coughs> believing what you say, it isn't going to believe it. We need to develop faith in God's Word, but we also need to develop faith in our words I believe that what we say comes to pass. Not just what God says comes to pass, but what we say comes to pass. If you look at the life and ministry of Jesus, you can see that he was a man of few words. He, he didn't. You know, he would go on some kind of long discourses in the, the Gospels, but basically in his everyday... You know, if he was teaching... He would go on a long discourse sometimes, but in everyday life he he spoke few words. He he wasn't a man of a lot of talk. And when he did say something, he fully expected it to come to pass. He said, For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which sent me, he gave me a commandment what I should say and what I should speak. Now, we're still in Mark 11. If you look at verse 14, this is what he said to the fig tree. No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. Nine words, that's it. Nine words is all he said to that tree, and it was as good as dead right there. It was gone. He didn't preach a sermon. He just spoke nine words to it. And he believed what he said was coming to pass. And that's why when they walked by it the next day, he didn't even look in that direction. He didn't even look. And nobody else even noticed it except Peter. Look, Master, the fig tree you cursed has withered up. So Jesus did not have a loose mouth. He never said anything he did not expect to come to pass and this is why he could walk up to that tomb of Lazarus and say Lazarus come forth and he knew he was going to come forth. There was no hesitation there was no doubt he knew that man was going to come forth because he believed his words had power and he believed everything he said would come to pass and we need to be aware that everything we say is coming to pass. Now, uh, let's turn to 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13. We having the same spirit of faith. Faith has not changed. God has not changed. The Holy Spirit has not changed. We read about these heroes of faith in uh, Hebrews 11. Daniel, Abraham, Abraham, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, David. Did they have a different kind of faith than we do? No. No? No, they didn't have a different kind of faith than we do. We have the same spirit of faith. As a matter of fact, we have a huge advantage over all these uh, men and women in the Old Testament. They did not have Mark 11, 23 and 24. They didn't have Mark 11. They couldn't speak to the mountain. They couldn't believe that they received and it come to pass. They couldn't do that. We have a huge advantage over them. We have authority over the devil. They didn't have authority over the devil. The devil was running rampant on the earth. They didn't have authority over him. We do. We, having the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak.
1: There it is again. Believe
0: and speak. Uh, If you hear somebody say, well, uh," you know, if you ask somebody, well, do you think they have faith? Are they in faith about this? And they say, well, I don't know if they've got faith or not. It's not that easy, I mean, it's, it's not that difficult to determine whether somebody's in faith or not. You just listen to how they talk for a couple of minutes, and you find out quickly whether they're in faith or not. What they say will tell you whether or not they're in faith about it or not. If they keep going on and on and on about the problem, and they've been to 15 doctors, and this is what they all said, and you keep giving them the word, and they keep going on and on about their circumstances. They are not in faith. You don't have to wonder about it. Now, let's, well, faith people are, have joy, and they have peace. That's two of the ways you can tell people are in faith. They have joy, even in the midst of a, of a trial and a test, and they have peace. And we are victorious now let's turn over to james chapter 1 james chapter 1 verse uh, 18 and 19 of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to rap. Is that what most Christians do? Slow to speak? Quick to hear? It's usually kind of the other way around, isn't it? (laughs) The Contemporary English Version says, You should be quick to listen and slow to speak, or to get angry. Let's say this out loud. I am quick to listen, quick to listen slow to speak, slow to speak and, slow to get angry. and slow to get angry. Then in verse 26, he gives us a practical application of being a doer of the word. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. Now this religion is not talking about man-made bondage type of religion. This is not talking about the bad kind of religion. This is talking about pure religion because he goes on in verse 27 talking about what pure religion is. So this is not the bad kind of religion. In the Living Bible it says anyone who says he is a Christian but doesn't control his sharp tongue, is just fooling himself, and his religion isn't worth much. The Common English Bible says, if those who claim devotion to God don't control what they say, they mislead themselves, their devotion is worthless. Is it true that no matter what else you do, no matter how many... Tapes and CDs you listen to and, you know, uh, books you read and Bible reading. If you don't control what you say, your devotion to God is vain. That's a pretty strong statement. Then in verse 26, uh, he says, Faith without corresponding action is dead. Then in chapter 3, this is all one letter. Uh, It wasn't written in chapters and verses. It was divided up later on in history, but in chapter 3, verse 2, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect or mature man and able also to bridle or control the whole body. Is it true that your words are connected with what happens to your body? According to the Scripture, your words are connected to whatever happens to your body. You can control your heart, you can control your liver, you can control your feet, you can control your pancreas, you can control your bones, you can control your eyes, you can control your ears with the words of your mouth. Amen? That's what the Bible says. I'm not making this up. Are most Christians doing this? No. Is it true that regardless of what else you do, if you don't control your mouth, your devotion to God is worthless? The Living Bible says, if anyone can control his tongue, it proves that he has perfect control over himself in every other way. The Common English Bible says, Those who don't make mistakes with their words have reached full maturity. Like a bridled horse, they can control themselves entirely. That is a, that is a powerful Thing. I mean, what the smallest organ probably in your body, one of the smallest organs in your body, in your mouth, can control your whole life. And the plan of God, whether the plan of God comes to pass in your life. And Satan deceives people so that they cannot connect these dots equating what they say with what they have. He blinds them so that they cannot see that what they say affects what they have. So, we talked about how God released his faith in words. God was, he was, he was acting on the word. He was doing the word. So, people believing for healing. You know, they'll say, they'll hear some teaching on healing. They'll say, okay, I can see I need to act on my faith. Where do I begin? The best place to begin is start speaking the word. Just like Ann said a few minutes ago, I'm healed. I'm made whole. My eye is uh, made whole. Amen. That's acting on the word. That's being a doer of the word. That's where you start. Right there. Start speaking God's word in order to be a doer of the word. And if God prompts you to do something else beyond that, then do it. But where you start being a doer of the word and acting on the word is by speaking what God says. Be- begin to say, I'm the healer of the Lord. I call my body whole. I call my body healed. I will not die, but live and declare the works of God. That's being a doer of the word. That's acting on the word. Hallelujah. We can't abandon the basics. That's why we're having a refresher. We're having a refresher on what we say and the words of our mouth because if you, you know, you, you begin to notice that you're slipping in this area and maybe we need to tighten up and, and uh, you know, get, get our uh, words back in line with God's Word. If we uh, let these basics slip, we're going to be regressing. And we never outgrow the basics. You never, you never think, oh, well, you know, my face really grown. I'm, I'm way beyond that now. No, we never outgrow the basics. We have to stay with the basics because this is how we got to where we are today. Everybody in here, this is where we all started, isn't it? Confessing, finding out the revelation that God has said we can have what we say. Amen. That's how we got started. Praise God. So, if nobody has been criticizing you lately, maybe you need to check up on yourself, <laughs> including me. Maybe, maybe we're slipping if nobody's criticizing us. Amen. Write this down. If you stop your confession of faith. <laughs> In order to become more acceptable to other people, you lose your ability to help them. If you stop your confession of faith, in order to become more acceptable to other people you lose your ability to help them the people who may be making fun of you today maybe five ten years down the line they'll come back to you and and thank you and say thank you for helping me because i was in total unbelief and uh they'll come back and they'll thank you that you did not Stop your confession just to please them. Oh, just to please them. Yeah. Let's say this out loud. I believe in faith. I believe in confession. I'm not ashamed of it. It is the way. So we're uh we're kind of finishing up here. Let's turn to Romans 10. Like I said, I think we'll uh Take up the rest of it next time. <laughs> Romans 10. So we mentioned that words are not just for communication. The primary purpose for words is for creation. When God spoke, the Spirit of God brought it into being. That's how you read the whole first chapter of Genesis. That's the way it happened. Uh, you know, like somebody, you know, people talk about this big bang theory and somebody said, well, it may have been a big bang when God said like B. You know what I mean? If, when God said like be," it probably was a big bang. You know what I mean? So um, Ephesians 5.1 says, we are to be imitators of God as dear children. So if God releases his faith with words, that's how we release our faith. And if somebody says, well, you're just trying to act like God. Exactly. That's exactly what we're trying to do. It says we're to be imitators of God. We're supposed to be acting like Jesus. And if we're not imitating Jesus with our words, then we're imitating somebody else. And we're getting somebody else's results, too, which we probably don't want. So God is a faith God. When God says something, it happens. And even when God says something, it doesn't always happen instantly. God said, there's a Savior going to be born. And hundreds of years went by before it came to pass. But it came to pass. Amen? Hallelujah. And when God said a Savior's going to be born, He didn't think, oh man, Oh, I hope the devil's not going to try to stop this. Oh, I wonder what the devil's doing. Oh, what if he tries to stop my plan? What am I going to do? No, he wasn't fretting about what the devil was doing. And the devil did try to stop it. But did he stop it? No. No. The devil did try to stop it, but he could not stop the plan of God. Amen? He could not stop what God said in faith. Romans 10 verse 8. But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That's based along the lines of what Jesus talked about in Mark 11:23. What you believe in your heart and what you speak with your mouth. That's how every person in this room got born again. Amen. Because what we believe and what we spoke. And Paul said, we have in the same spirit of faith, we believe, therefore we speak. So, we're in good company. Verse uh, 9 and 10, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord (laughs) Jesus, and believe in thine heart that God has raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved, for with the heart man believes unto righteousness, with the heart man believes, and with the mouth speaks unto salvation, speaks with the the mouth, confession is made to salvation. So faith is released from the heart through the confession of your mouth. This is just the way faith works. Now, did you have to do anything else to get born again besides this right here? Believe and speak. Is that all it took? Did it take anything else? No? It doesn't take anything else to receive anything else from God, does it? Believe and speak. You didn't say run around the building. You know... You didn't say hire 10 lawyers or whatever. You know what I mean? Uh, That's all you had to do. You didn't have to feel something. You didn't have to see something. You believed and you spoke and that was sufficient. You didn't have to do anything else. So speak the word is the first thing to act on your faith. Any other thing the Lord tells you to do and prompts you to do, do it. But this is, this is, should be sufficient. Amen? It certainly is the place to start. Um, you know, Brother Hagen, you've probably, many of you have heard his testimony, and he saw here in Mark 11:24 that he had to believe he received his healing before he felt anything. And he, where he started, because he didn't have any Bible teaching, and Everybody around him was unbelieving. Even the couple of preachers he asked to come sing, they were more unbelieving than anybody, you know. And, but he just kept reading the Bible, and he came across this verse, and he saw he had to believe he received his healing before he felt anything. But the first thing he did, he started saying, I believe I receive my healing. I believe I receive my healing. He was acting on the Word. That's all he knew. He was doing the Word. I believe I receive my healing. Then he flung his legs off on the side of the bed onto the floor. And he was hanging on to the bedpost saying, I believe I received my healing. He was hanging on. I believe I received my healing. And God said, now you believe you're healed. When he started saying, I believe I receive my healing and started acting on the word, God spoke in his heart. He said, now you believe you're healed and strength began to come back into his body. Amen? So we need to appreciate and esteem the value of our words. Now, let's finish off. uh, We're going to stop here today. But let's say this together. I believe in the power of faith. I believe in the power of my words. I believe in God's words. I believe in my words. words. I I have power and authority to create and to destroy. Through, and through, faith-filled words, through faith-filled words, I can mold and shape my tomorrow, shape my tomorrow. With, my with my words. I can change my body, I can change my body. With, my with my words. I can change my habits. I can change my habits with, with, my my words. Words. with my words. I can change my finances, I can change my finances with, with my words. My words. I, can change my I can change my relationships with my words. Things are getting better with me. I'm
1: coming up.
0: I'm, coming up. I'm, moving, forward. I'm moving forward. I am not bound. I am, I am totally free in Jesus am totally free in Jesus. Am totally free in Jesus. Amen, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.